Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. You keep on adding ingredients and it doesn't get any better. Life 107.1. I've gone rogue. Uh-oh. I think. Do I need to call somebody? I think I'm breaking a, a rule. That's very unlike you, Jen. <laughs> you almost said that with a straight face. <laughs> okay, so this is this is the thing. I decorated my Christmas tree mm-hmm. a couple weeks back, and for the second year in the row, I got to the end, and I had to top it all off, right? Mm-hmm. You get the thing that's on the top of your tree. And so I climbed up the stepladder. I put the thing at the top of my tree. I climbed down the stepladder. I backed up a little bit, and I looked at it, and I thought, well, I like it. What did you put on top of your tree, Jen? It's a Big, giant, plaid bow. Okay, here's the deal. I'm going to come to your defense on this. It's, I'm all about putting creative things on top of your tree. It's not a. It's not an angel, and it's not a star. I don't have an angel or a star at the top of my tree, and I'm like, I think I'm breaking a rule. I, you know what? I'm on your side. I, I think you can get creative on top of your tree. Okay, now I really know that I'm in trouble if Taylor's <laughs> on my side. <laughs> I got a bow at the top of my Christmas tree, and I got to say, I'm feeling a little self-conscious about breaking the unwritten Christmas rules. But there are a lot of people who are creative about what goes on top of their Christmas tree. What's up there for you, Ava? We have an elf-like hat on top of our Christmas tree. You an, have an elf hat? An elf-like hat. Does it have, like, the pointy ears? Yeah. No. Well, it doesn't have a head. It's just the waist, <laughs> and the legs are sticking up. That's actually awesome. <laughs> you have an elf hat? legs on the top of your tree. That's a, that's amazing. Who chose that? Uh, me and my friend. And your mom let you put that on top of your tree? Well, we decorated our downstairs tree. And and you so. got to choose what went on the top? Yeah. Yeah. And your mom let you. <laughs> that's actually yeah. really cool. You should nice. tell your mom she's a really cool mom. Yeah, I will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mom is like, yeah, I am. <laughs> Growing up, it was always an angel. That's it. It's all it was. It was just an angel. Yep. But for the last two years now, I have put a giant plaid bow at the top of my Christmas tree. But I feel like I might be breaking rules. Jen is a Christmas rebel, but <laughs> so are so many other people like Danielle. I have an assortment of Christmas toppers. An assortment. But I usually have a giant snowman head who has like... A 10-foot-long scarf that wraps around the tree a couple of times. That's cool. I actually really love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun. It does sound really uh, fun. I'm having fun listening to this right now. <laughs> Sometimes you got to change it up. You can't have the same tree topper every year. Hey, Erin, you want to tell us about the top of your Christmas tree? I have a Tinkerbell on top of my tree because when my grandfather passed, I wanted to have something of him in my house since my mom got his ashes and he always called me his Tinkerbell. So that's my way of keeping him with us on Christmas. That's wonderful. That is so lovely. (laughs) That's such a great way to remember him. That is so lovely. So is it like a little stuffed Tinkerbell? It's a tree topper. It's meant to be on top of a tree. And um, we kind of are obsessed with Disney stuff. So we've gotten quite a few different versions of Tinkerbell. And so this year is the first year that I found a Christmas Tinkerbell to go on top. You were probably pretty excited, weren't you? Oh, yeah. This is going to sound like an unpopular opinion, but I love waiting. 
I, uh, <laughs> I have not observed that about you, Jen. Okay, maybe that's a different word. I love the anticipation. Okay. I love the anticipation. That's different. Of Christmas. I love the anticipation of birthdays. I love the anticipation of something big happening. I just love looking forward to things. I do think half the fun of Christmas is all of that anticipation. I mean, we yes! call the whole season Advent. It's where we celebrate waiting. I know. Normally, we're not big fans of waiting, but this time of year, it's so much fun. But never does the wait seem so long. As when you are a child and it's the ticking minutes before you are allowed to wake mom and dad up to open presents on Christmas morning. You've been looking at those (laughs) under the tree. Your imagination has put all sorts of things into those boxes, those strangely shaped packages, the bags with the tissue paper. Some of my favorite memories are waiting with my two siblings, always in my bed. I don't know why everybody always ended up in my bed, but my sister, my brother, and I would all sit there and we would watch my Clock. I had one of those clocks that had the the falling car, you know, the the thing that would go click, tink, and then the oh, card yeah. would fall. The numbers would flip. <laughs> so we would watch the <laughs> flipping numbers as they counted their way to 7 a.m. That was when we were allowed to wake up mom and dad and drag them willingly or unwillingly down the stairs because it was time to at least begin the process of opening Christmas presents. I think waiting for the time to open Christmas presents is as much a Christmas tradition as opening them. Yeah. There's waiting and then there is waiting on Christmas morning to be able to go open the presents. And we want to know what that looked like for you. Most of the time, Christmas morning was spent upstairs in our rooms, much like you, Jen, except my parents were also morning people, and they finished wrapping the presents on Christmas morning. <laughs> oh, so my goodness. Had to wait for them to finish <laughs> wrapping said presents. They really put it off to the last they minute. They weren't just morning people. I, I hate to tell you, John, your parents were procrastinators. <laughs> I mean, if you're waiting that long at that point, why not just, like, take it out of the shopping bag? I mean, the wrapping paper's still warm. I know, warm. right? <laughs> you know what's not a gift on Christmas morning? What's not? Patience. Patience <laughs> for the children that really desperately want to get down there and open up gifts. Ah, oh, but you have to wait. And what did that waiting look like? My sister would always come in my room. We'd giggle and talk in the morning, figure out what we were going to get. And then we'd go wake up mom and dad. We had a certain order. We all walked down the stairs. It was my dad, my sister, me, and then my mom. So as we walked down the stairs, my dad would be like, okay, kids, get to your spot. And then he would sit down, and then we would give him the okay, and he would just say, good morning, girls, Merry Christmas. And then we knew we could all open. Oh, Did I you have that. an order that you had to open, or was it a free-for-all? Oh, it was a free-for-all. Wrapping <laughs> paper was everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I get to be with my brother and sister this Christmas, and when the three of us sit around on Christmas morning, I can guarantee you, we will talk about how mom and dad used to make us wait until seven o'clock to unwrap presents, and now we're the ones that have to go wake up (laughs) mom and dad. And we just want to know, what did it look like as you were waiting for the time to open those very first presents? We had to wait till seven also. (laughs) It's just my, awful. It's horrible. My brother and I, our rooms were upstairs. My parents' room was downstairs. 
just off the living room. And so we would have to wait on the stair steps until 7. And then we would yell at my parents, let them know we were awake. Because they didn't know. We're like, we're awake. <laughs> of course they knew. They'd probably yeah. been up for two hours, too. They, they were just waiting for the moment. Then you could hear my mom running back and forth from the bedroom to the living room because they forgot to put the gift out. <laughs> We were talking about waiting for Christmas presents and how like fun that is because you know there's this awesome gift coming up on Christmas morning and you can't wait to open it. It's the best kind of anticipation. But I can imagine if Christmas rolls around and... Oh, there's still not a gift under the tree. Yeah. Well, maybe, you know, mom and dad might have put it off for a little bit. Maybe we just got to do it tomorrow with the family. Someone had to work and it's still not under the tree. And the next day it's not under the tree. And it can get to a point where you start wondering, is this just a Christmas that I don't get a gift? Huh. Like, is that, is that what's going on? And I think this time of year, that kind of idea has really resonated with me because this was a year that Lindsay and I were sure by the end of the year we'd be parents mm. or at least we'd be pregnant mm-hmm. and we're not. And maybe you with the day of Christmas being positioned so close to the end of the year, it's this, man, I thought for sure by the end of this year, my health would be better. The The job situation would be resolved. This family issue would be resolved. And none of that, none of that, none of that has happened. We were in church on Sunday and the pastor was talking about, which I always forget until I get reminded that the gospel story of Jesus' birth happens 400 years After the last book of the Old Testament, Israel has been promised this Messiah that's come and save them. And he keeps on not coming and he keeps on not coming. And they keep on looking under that Christmas tree and the gift that they thought had been promised isn't there. And there were no prophets during that time. It almost seemed like God was silent. And so I think the beautiful thing about Advent season is we remember that there's purpose after the waiting. God doesn't forget us even when his plans take longer than we would like them to. Now, Christmas time is a time to talk about and enjoy lovely food. Mm. Ham and turkey around the table. Beautiful sugar cookies. Mm. There's all sorts of good food at Christmas time to to talk about and to Mm -hmm. dream about. Unless you're our friend Luann, who, when we were all sitting around at the For King and Country concert on Thursday night last week, decided to tell us about a sandwich that she used to eat. Now, mind you, she was pregnant, but she she told us about this sandwich that she ate. And I said, I think that might be flat out the most gross (laughs) thing I've ever heard. And she was like, no, it's good. So you tell me. You you be the judge. Okay, so she starts with two slices of white bread. Mm. And then she white puts bread. on on one slice peanut butter and sweet gherkins. <laughs> which honestly at this point, I'm still on board. No! I could do this. Actually, I wasn't even on board with the white bread, but white bread with peanut butter and she's sliced up sweet gherkins. Mm, sliced up the sweet gherkins. I could do that. Ugh. It's the other slice. Yeah, there's another slice. <laughs> she smears on Some Miracle Whip. And then she mushes it all together. Miracle Whip, peanut butter, sweet gherkins on that lovely, flavorful white bread. She had the audacity to sit there and to, like, defend that sandwich when all of us were just like, 
Yeah, no. No, thanks. No. That's all for you, Luann. That's a strange sandwich. Yeah, it is. Urban legend says that the Earl of Sandwich was too busy playing cards to eat. And so he put a bunch of meat and cheese in between two pieces of bread. And hence, we have the sandwich. And ever since then, <laughs> people have been innovating. People like Matt. Miracle Whip with a touch of nacho cheese Doritos and Cool Ranch Doritos on a wheat bread. So just Miracle Whip and Doritos. <laughs> it has to be on a wheat bread with a layer of nacho cheese Doritos and Cool Ranch Doritos. No! <laughs> Otherwise, it doesn't just taste right. Doesn't taste right. You gotta have a mixture. Listen, I gotta ask. How old were you when you came up with this sandwich combination? Um, I was uh, 13 years yeah. old, and I've been doing it. I've been doing it since today. <laughs> you ate that today? I had it yesterday. <laughs> yep. Oh my goodness! Are you 14 now? No, I'm about 50. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> You are a food scientist. <laughs> there are so many experiments we're learning about. Wow. Hey, Cord, what is your outside-the-box sandwich? It's peanut butter with Oreo wafers on top of white bread that you dunk in orange juice. Orange oh. juice! Okay, I would have been with you if <laughs> yeah. you would have said milk. You, you had me until the orange juice. That was a sharp left turn. Because then it makes the bread taste like orange juice. Well, yeah. <laughs> That still still got me lost. <laughs> Why orange juice? Why not milk? I did milk for a long time, and then I tried orange juice. And the orange juice is a lot better. No, no, wow. it's not. Wow. I promise you it's not. It's your brain playing tricks on you. <laughs> we love hearing from you, even when you've got your outside-the-box sandwich <laughs> suggestions. It's what my brother came up with for Christmas when we were kids. It's an onion sandwich with red and green chili peppers. <laughs> what? Onions and green chili peppers with bread. Yes. What? With, oh, mayo. Don't forget an onion. Mayo, onions, and green chili peppers. And red chili peppers. You keep on adding ingredients and it doesn't get any better. And he called it his Christmas sandwich. Because it was green and red. Well, it was green, white, and red. He would eat it before he'd go to bed and then... Wake me up the next morning with that before you brush his teeth. Of course he would. <laughs> I love reading through this adventure of Christmas book every year. This is a book written by Lisa Welchel, and it tells us the origin story of pretty much all of the traditions that we have at Christmas. So we were talking a little bit earlier about the Christmas tree. Why do we hang ornaments on it? Okay. Once upon a time back in medieval times, Christmas Eve was known as actually Adam and Eve Day. Oh, interesting. uh, They would act out the story of... Uh, well, the first sin. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they always needed a tree to 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 act out this story, but it was winter. And so the only tree that they really could find was an evergreen mm-hmm. tree. All right. And so as they were acting it out, they started doing things like hanging fruit in the tree. Right. And then as the years kind of progressed, the fruit turned into some other things. Sometimes it was marzipan. Sometimes it was sugar coated fruit. It got to be so laden with sugar stuff that they actually started calling it a sugar tree. Okay. And then it started becoming more of 
ornaments that could be taken out and put on every year. And hence, we have the origin of ornaments on the Christmas tree. It all started with medieval plays acting out the story of Adam and Eve. That's actually really cool. Like Christmas Eve, you talk about like when we first found the need for a savior. Yes. And then Christmas Day, the savior comes. Exactly. So many wonderful Christmas carols. (laughs) Mm, I just love them all. So where does that word come from? Carol. Christmas Carol. Did someone named Carol start singing a lot of No. Music? No. Nothing okay. quite so urbane. No. Greek word koros or koros, I don't know. And actually the French word caroler. Uh they essentially both of them mean dancing and playing the flute. Okay. And that's kind of what the original carols were. It was when people were dancing accompanied by a flute. But if you go back even farther than that, in the early thirteenth century. St. Francis of Assisi introduced carols into formal worship when he held midnight services in a cave in Italy. Okay. He said he encouraged his town people to tell about your Christmas joy in song, which was very unusual at this time, Taylor, because the music that they sang was very somber. It was a lot like the Gregorian chants and stuff. Yeah. I mean, there was no smiling or singing happy things in services. It was very, very serious because that's very spiritual, don't you know? Right. Right. So... Uh, They said that the worshipers would leave those services with St. Francis of Assisi and they would be joyfully singing the songs and it became popular throughout Europe to have these happy songs sung during the services at Christmas time. And that's why St. Francis is considered the father of Christmas carols. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that cool? I like that they go into a cave to do it. (laughs) Come on, guys. We're going to go to a cave at midnight and sing happy songs. Sounds like fun. I love that. (laughs) In my opinion, one of the best parts of this year is coming home at night and looking in the front window of our house because that's where Lindsay has our Christmas tree. Oh, yeah. That's such a nice thing to see a lit up Christmas tree when you drive up the driveway. And Lindsay is so good at decorating Christmas trees. She sure is. She's got the lights perfectly proportioned and we've got some twinkling lights and just a a small smattering of colored lights. And it's it's just gorgeous. I just love it. Okay. And this is the second year that we have picked out a tree from a Christmas tree farm. Okay. My guess is, <laughs> you haven't told me this, but my guess is that's quite a bit of an excursion because Lindsay is amazing mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, including how she decorates. It has to be just so. She's got standards for her Christmas trees. She has standards. There are standards. You know, we, we, we go down to Howell's Tree Farm and we're like walking through and I'll see, okay, this one hasn't been bought yet. And she'll look at them and she'll be like... <laughs> It's a little scrawny. (laughs) Okay. We'll go a little further and she'll say, ah, the way we'd have to orient that, it would look a little topsy-turvy. Like, oh, okay. And I mean, like. Do you just literally go, what about that one? What about that one? It's it's my job to find one that just has not been purchased yet because they go fast at Howell's. Okay. So that's all you're supposed to do? I'll try and pick some out and be like, I think this one looks good. And she's like, well, you're incorrect. (laughs) Because she she likes a treat. She likes it to be full. She likes a little little weight on the base. And, and you know, it's got to come to a nice point at the top. Okay, well, that sounds like a Christmas tree. Does she like short and fat or tall and skinny? Uh, she likes kind of tall and fat. <laughs> she wants... 
She's got very high standards, like I told you. We bring a tree in and we stick it in the middle of a room. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we say, number one, don't touch. And number two, it's got to be perfect. And there are so many different shapes and sizes that Christmas trees come in. What's your tree look like right now, Jen? It is tall. It is skinny. And I'm really blessed. A couple years ago, my mom bought me a big tin bucket that it sits on. So for a couple of years, I got away with it being so elevated that my toddler really couldn't even reach ornaments. <laughs> so nice. it felt like a really good combination of tucked in a corner, tall, skinny, and not able to be messed up with. <laughs> that's, that's the perfect Christmas tree right there. <laughs> yeah, as far as artificial trees goes, it, it worked great. Nice. You'll probably have to start hanging it from the ceiling soon. (laughs) I've seen upside down trees and thought, I wonder. I wonder. (laughs) I wonder. What do you think about Christmas trees, Megan? I love Christmas trees, and I've always wanted a 12-foot Christmas tree. We have a great spot for it in our house, and they're always super expensive. My husband made me a deal. If it fell under this certain dollar amount, he's like, you know, that's our cutoff. But it was, like, significantly lower than asking price. And one day, begrudgingly, he comes home with a large tree in the back of his truck (laughs) because he was shopping and found the 12-foot Christmas tree for under the price. So now I have my big, long tree. Oh, my goodness. He's a man of his word. He is. I was very shocked. (laughs) So what does it look like? Is it tall and fat? Is it tall and skinny? What's the shape of it? It's kind of in the middle. So it's not like a super fat tree, but it's very, very tall, obviously. Uh We're talking about Christmas trees this morning. So, Sarah, what's your perfect Christmas tree? My mother has a nine-foot tree. Mm-hmm. Big, round, beautiful. It's a big tree, but it's, I mean, it looks real. It's huge. And uh, we went to go visit them here a month ago for Thanksgiving, and they imparted upon us that they're getting rid of it. And they asked me if I wanted it. And my husband went, no, 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 no. We don't have nine-foot ceilings. We don't have anywhere to put the tree. And I said, that's okay, because when we move, we're going to buy a house with bigger ceilings to accommodate the tree, so we'll take it. And my husband was like, we really don't need a nine-foot tree. And I was like, when are we ever going to have the opportunity to get a tree that big and nice for free? So this summer we'll be getting a huge, beautiful nine-foot tree that I will just put in my basement until I can buy a house to accommodate it. (laughs) You're going to buy a house to go around your Christmas tree. I'm going to make sure that whatever house that we move into next has ceilings that will accommodate my big, beautiful, because I've always wanted just like a big, huge, beautiful tree. I get it. I feel like as a child, I was giving sweaters that were too big for me and everybody was telling me, you'll grow into them. And I feel like that's what's happening with your tree. Like, eventually you'll grow into it. Exactly. We will. We will grow into it. But in the meantime, we're going to have these massive boxes in our basement that my husband's just going to shake his head every time he walks by. Yeah, he is. (laughs) The Taylor and Jen Podcast is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.